0: This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz-Mutchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Thanksgiving is here. I'd love to talk about it with you. Thanksgiving is the holiday celebrated at the end of November, the American holiday celebrating either a 1619 party in Virginia or a 1621 gathering in Plymouth, Massachusetts, Check out Wikipedia, get your deep dive in, go for it. I'm intrigued by not just the origin of the holiday, but the theme of the holiday, which is gratitude, thankfulness, and what that truly means. I'm excited by those topics. You see, a holiday has this dual idea. A holiday has an origin story a moment in time where it begins. And a holiday has a theme, an idea that comes together with it. And those two ideas coming together is what makes a holiday a holiday. In Jewish tradition, all holidays have these two ideas. They have both the story that we celebrate and we have the idea that's being internalized within each experience. Important to note that very often holidays because of the commercial elements in life, are stripped of the meaning, and it's played to the nostalgia of the holiday. And this is very common for people to be very cynical about holidays. But I think the idea of this particular holiday, this particular American holiday, has an incredible idea worth exploring, and that is what really is gratitude and how to really have a true connection to being grateful a practical way and a way that I feel inspired by. And that's actually what a holiday is. You put these two ideas together, a time and place, an event coupled with a theme and idea. And what you get is a transformative power. Hence these may be ideas that you're supposed to incorporate into your everyday life. And as we'll see, gratitude is definitely something to incorporate every day, but having a holiday, having something that thematically reinforces these type of values and these type of ideas is necessary. It's a necessary ritual to be able to honestly evaluate whether or not you're working on these all important human concepts. Otherwise, what are we celebrating altogether? So Thanksgiving, gratitude, gratitude. I think there's a lot to explore over here, and I want to begin with some of the things uh, in my gratitude deep dive on the internet. When researching gratitude, there are three major things that I find online or within people that fit into gratitude. There's one very important uh, contribution that gratitude has made, and that is to the AA and addiction community. Gratitude is one of the most powerful tools for someone who has a substance abuse issue or an addiction issue or bad habits, a great way to get beyond these type of mundane things that are holding us back. Even sometimes when they're real, I've done something really not great and I want to get past it. Gratitude is one of the most powerful tools used in order to get past these things in order to have growth. So check that out. It's a hallmark of the 12-step A program. And generally speaking, clearly its power is very real for the millions of people that incorporate it. Another thing that I found, I thought it was pretty awesome, and I found this on by Kerry Nelson of gratefulness.org, was that gratitude helps with curing social media envy. But when you have gratitude, you're able to not get caught up in what you're seeing, all the glitz and glamour that's being presented to you. After all, social media is about presenting the finest view someone has. So having gratitude is just recognizing the front element of something, and it's a very powerful idea. And three, and maybe this is the most important contribution to the concept of having gratitude, is that gratitude helps people to be happy. There are some great TED Talks on gratitude as the engine to happiness, and since people are very much searching for joy and happiness in their life, gratitude is one of those powerful tools necessary to achieve that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about happiness, especially as it relates to gratitude, because I think people really do want to be happy. And what is really getting in the way of people being happy is usually their own self, their own self gets in the way of being happy. Jim Carrey, the actor and comedian, put it this way, that when he goes out and entertains, he's thinking about what the people want. And his great discovery was that what the people want is to be free of their concerns. When they're being entertained, they just want to be free of all concerns. So his idea was entertain them by being somebody who appears to be entirely free of their own concerns. And then in that moment, they can be happy because they've lost all attachment to their obligations and their concerns. It's a nice idea. It very much relates to why comedy is so potent, allowing people to escape their difficulties. What I think Jim has correct is that people do want to leave their concerns, but they can't really do it forever. Can they, you can't really leave all of your concerns and obligations behind a person ultimately is a body that is defined by its consumption. You have to eat. You need shelter. You need at least a plan of how you're going to live. Even your nomadic lifestyle. You need community, people, we're social beings, we need companionship. We need to be able to live in context of the human experience. We think and feel and aspire in very deep ways beyond nature. And that you can't really escape. That is a concern that stays with you. So I'd like to see gratitude, not just as to be happy. But gratitude as a way to tap into the type of confidence and joy with one's being that they're able to handle their individual journey. I think that's really what we're after with having gratitude, not just being thankful for what we have or lack thereof, but tapping into an identity that I relate to that is real And that is my real self beyond the distractions of all the consumption necessary to exist. The concept is that nature itself doesn't necessarily need to be happy. Nature doesn't need empathy or gratitude. Nature needs to survive. And for nature to survive... It's a practical element of life to live within the idea of survival of the fittest. That is nature's core being, its core self. An animal does not want to be distracted. In fact, very often in the wild, animals are not distracted. They're entirely zoned in to their survival. A couple of years ago, I was in South Africa officiating a wedding. It's an amazing experience. I got to go with my wife to a safari, and we were watching a leopard on the hunt, and the leopard was completely zoned in to its task and had no concern for us. In that moment, you could tell that we were of no, we were of no priority We were not prey. We were just there. It was busy and zoned in exactly to what it wanted. And that to me was the microcosm of nature, completely subservient to their survival, completely subservient to their concern of of all of their issues of surviving, eating, and taking care of self. So the human being has a self that actually is not concerned with its own survival. That's partly why a human being even wants to be entertained on a level that it's not concerned with its survival is because a part of itself is not concerned with it. It actually is not. It's concerned with loftier ideas that are about expression of a part of self that is truly individual and that is purely their own and finding that voice may be the most incredible part of the human journey and the human experience. In fact, in Jewish tradition, that is at the core of all of Jewish life and ritual is finding a way to nurture that self, that identity, that space where you matter and where you are truly an individual and how you discover that is everything. Judaism, thus, doesn't just have rituals and holidays for this. It's actually part of a daily routine in Jewish life. The first thing we do when we wake up in the morning as Jewish people is say a prayer called the Moda Ani, and it's less of a prayer and more of a meditation about identifying the self that is truly my own from where I emanate my individuality from and how it confronts the existential reality of godliness and divinity, and the reality of also having to serve my body and survive. The Moda Ani prayer is fascinating. I'm going to record a podcast form of the Moda Ani meditation. should be uploaded together with this one, hopefully. So check that out. So when it comes to gratitude, gratitude has a direct connection to discovering myself independent of my consumption you ever hear of the word amen or amen you see it ultimately that word used in in religious circles when somebody makes a blessing they say amen what does amen mean well generally speaking when you look up amen you will see it as affirmative you will see it as A word that says, I affirm that what has been said and what is happening is true or hope it happens. But amain actually is less of an affirmative and more of an idea. The word amain, the three-letter word of amain in Hebrew, is an incredible concept and encapsulated in the word amain amain is a word that is understood by its numbers more than its letters hebrew letters are also numbers they're the same thing so you can read a word as a word or you could read it as a number now i'm not major numer- numerology type of rabbi But I was fascinated always by a main as being the same numerical value as two names of God. Now, a name of God really just means a name or a label to the energy of what we're describing. Because ultimately, every person has their own description of what God is, or what the power of creation is, what the force of behind things are, the unseen force in life. So God clearly is a personal part of our development of what it means to be a power beyond us. After all, there is an incredible source of power that we're always looking to discover and uncover. And that is what we call ultimately divine energy. So in Jewish tradition, each name of God represents of the way the divine energy or the powerful force of godliness relates to creation. So one name, for example, is known as the, the yud hey the Vav and the he, or as they, they like to say in Yiddish, Havaya, the great four-letter name of God, the Tetragrammaton of Jewish tradition. And this name relates to God as independent of creation. That there is a power of the divine that we don't relate to. That ultimately there's always a part of God that's beyond us. It's an important thing to understand because if each person is created as an individual, the true way to tolerate other individuals is to see them as a world outside of your own, independent of you, not dependent on you. And that's really what that name is when it relates to God, is God not dependent on nature beyond it. The name yud Hey vav and Hey, if instead of reading it as letters, you read it as numbers, it would be 26. Now there's another name of God that's called the generic name, and that's called Adonai. That means master. And what we say, when we say Adonai, We talk about the power or the force of nature that has dominion over us. Think about you being human and yet you have to eat from other kingdoms animal, vegetative, mineral. You live off energy outside of you. When When people look at themselves as the center of the universe, it's a beautiful thing, but it can go wrong. If a person sees themselves as the center of the universe only, that megalomania can result in them thinking that they're their own creator. We call that syndrome, I am my own creator syndrome. And that means that I don't see myself as a consumer as much as I see myself as a generator. So it's a good thing. We like ego, we like to be a generator, we like the idea of confidence, but ultimately. If that's the end all of the conversation, then you lose sight of the simple fact that you are not the center of the universe. You have billions of other people on earth. The mystic Reb Yitzchak of Barditchev, they attribute the story to him that he used to carry two notes in his pocket. In the right pocket it said, the world was created for me. And in the left pocket it said, I am nothing but dust. And the art was when to pull out each note. That ultimately an individual needs to know when's the right time to pull out the confidence card or the I'm less than I think I am card. But in this case, the word Adnai or Adonai is very much the name that represents that I am not the master of the universe. I have to consume from the universe in order to live. And that name, if you look at it instead of as a name, but as a number is 65, 65 and 26 is 91. The word amen or amen, if you look at it as a number and not a name, it's also 91. And that name amen, 91, it was actually designed to have both of these powers in it. So what is that? What is this? Let's tie it all together. The idea is that when a person says "amain," they're saying that there is a force within nature that I'm constantly battling as my natural, human, animalistic side. And then there is a part of me that is beyond nature that really isn't defined by consumption, what I eat, who I'm with. It's defined entirely by an inner self that is on an individual mission to do something special in this world. And if I could be so lucky, find somebody who is one with my mission and me with theirs, and we be molded into one mission in our companionship, and the power of two becoming one, creating exponential unity in the universe, allows us to live beyond nature because we're able to make sacrifices for the greater goodness of the universe versus just our consumption. Thus, when we hear a blessing or we're in a synagogue and we read something and we say amain, what we're saying is we need to merge these powers together. The power both of nature, the reality of my physical life, and the power of beyond nature, the reality that I'm a mission and, I'm on a, and I live in a, in, a, in, a, in a, that I have an existence that is not defined by my consumption. So wow, is "Amen" a powerful idea. But amen is also, we said, affirmative. And affirmative is part of gratitude. Gratitude is an affirmation towards what is real in my life. And being able to zone in on the realities of existence that are actually true to me, that are actually meaningful to me. How important is it to have gratitude? It's as important as discovering the real self that I am, the true soul nature that I possess that does not have to be defined by the physical reality all the time, but also allows me to keep the perspective of continuing my journey in the physical so as to bring what's beyond nature into nature. And that is ultimately the human job. The human job in this world is to bring this great energy into nature, thus uplifting nature from being entirely dependent on survival of the fittest to being able to be a place of true harmony. Harmony where everything fits in without destruction. In Jewish tradition, messianism is not entirely understood through a person. It's understood more through society. Messianism in society represents that the world develops through positive reinforcement. In today's generation and in the past, it takes challenges and difficulties for people to innovate and develop. This is not absolute, but it's very much part of the human journey. Saying we're looking forward to a an age of harmony is saying that we look to an age that development and and innovation happens through positive reinforcement. It happens through positive origin. Could you imagine? Being human is difficult. We don't need challenges in order to innovate. Just being human of merging the what's beyond nature into what is nature and creating this harmony is the greatest journey of all. The word blessing means to bring close to me. It's not a dogmatic idea of give me something I don't have. When I say I want a blessing, what I mean is I want to draw in. After all, when you consume, you don't just take in what you need. You take in things that you discard. So blessing means to draw in what I need, what is real. May we draw in the real parts of who we are, the real elements of self, and thus be on a journey that creates the connection of nature and what's beyond nature to create tremendous harmony in the universe.